We have two scripture readings this morning. We'll read a little bit from Acts chapter 2, and then we'll read a number of verses from the Gospel of John. This is God's holy and infallible word for us, his gathered people. Let's read. First from Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And then we'll turn back a few pages and we'll read a number of verses from the Gospel of John chapter 14. This is Jesus speaking to us. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I am going away and I am coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. I have told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. Come now, let us leave. I did it again, Steve. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we're celebrating Pentecost today. And Pentecost, uh, you might say, is when the New Testament church was launched. Uh, The Holy Spirit came with power. Uh, We read about the violent wind, uh, the tongues of fire, the instant ability of the disciples to speak in other languages. As Priests and prophets and kings led God's people in Old Testament times. Now in our day, in New Testament times, deacons and pastors and elders lead the church. And it's a very comforting thought for all of us that it's not just uh, these, these people who lead. It's not just people, but the Holy Spirit 
is present too in the church. What exactly does he do? How is he involved? Uh, That's what I want us uh, to see a little bit this morning. The Spirit is called counselor in John 14. The Greek word is paraclete. Uh, The New Testament is translated from the Greek. Uh, Reverend Jerry Erfmeyer uh, brought this up in his message a couple Sunday nights ago uh, when he was preaching about helping a friend in grief. And by the way, if you're an elder or deacon, I would say his sermon uh, should be required listening for you. Or if you have anyone in your life that's struggling with illness, with a job loss, with any challenge, uh, go to our website, listen to that sermon if you missed that service. Reverend Erfmeyer mentioned that paraclete can mean, and this is true, one who comes alongside someone. So that's a way to talk about what the Holy Spirit does. Um, there, there's another word uh, that I want to use as our main description of the Holy Spirit this morning, helper. Helper makes clear maybe what that other definition implies. Uh, so the Holy Spirit comes alongside of us, but it's not only that. The Holy Spirit actually does something. He works. He helps each one of us. He assists us in our life. And he assists and helps the church as a whole. And that's good news for our church. We've got more than mere men leading in our mission of building the church here at Faith in Elmers. We have God himself helping us, especially through the Holy Spirit. There is divine help as we build the church. It's tremendous. And he helps us in a number of really important ways that are critical for our leaders to know and and for every single one of us who's an active member and involved in the church. Um, Really stuff we need to know. Um, First, the Spirit helps in salvation. It's the first way the Spirit helps. That's the most foundational and eternally significant way in which the Spirit works. Salvation, that's at the very heart of what the church does and is about. Why do we worship here on Sundays? Why do we have elders and deacons meetings? Why do we nominate and elect men for office? Why do we have a book club? Why do we have vacation Bible school? And why are we looking for volunteers for Vacation Bible School? Why do we have Bible studies and small groups and children's and youth ministries and the sermon discussion group? Why do we have coffee and lemonade in the fellowship hall after church? Why do we want to keep the place looking sharp? Why do we want to support our budget? And on and on and on. What's the point? It's all about salvation. That's our central task and focus that God's given us to gather those God is saving, to build up the saved in the faith, to send out all of us who are saved in Jesus to serve others, especially those in need in our lives and in this world, to proclaim God's message of salvation in word and deed so that more people come to that saving knowledge of Jesus. Salvation is why the church exists. And we find out the Spirit helps us in that. And this help is helpful. It makes a difference because 
He, this isn't just anybody helping us. The Spirit is fully God. And God is a saving God. But the Spirit's not identical to the Father or to the Son. And we get that in our text. Jesus says the Father to the disciples and the church down through the ages, he's going to give you another paraclete, is verse 16. Another counselor, another paraclete, another helper. So that's in addition to Jesus himself, because he'd been with them for three years. And so, Spirit, another one, another helper. And so somehow the Spirit is apart from Jesus. And that starts bringing us into the mystery of the Trinity, where we have one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And I know Pastor Matthew is going to lead us in that a little bit more next Sunday morning about the Trinity. Jesus is saying another will help. He's helped his disciples so far. Another one's going to help after he ascends into heaven. Jesus is still then and now 100% involved in God's plan of salvation. But now it's kind of like a new phase in the history of salvation. And so Jesus is our divine helper in heaven, and he's left us with a divine helper on earth, the Spirit. The NBA Finals are going on. NBA is the National Basketball Association. And these finals are historic in the sense that never before have the same two teams met in the finals three years in a row. Uh, Both are really good, possibly great teams, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Golden State Warriors. In addition to the historic nature of three in a row, the same two teams. Some people think the Warriors could be the best team in history because there's so much talent. You got guys like Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Normally, on sort of an average team, uh, when your team's star takes a breather and uh, the guy comes in off the bench, you kind of wince. And if you're ahead at that point, you just hope and pray that those subs don't lose the lead. But with the Warriors, there are so many great players that another great, a great player can take a rest, and there's other great players on the floor. A great player takes a rest, and the team doesn't miss a beat. And that's a little bit the way it goes with the Spirit after the coming of Jesus, when I'm talking about spirit as helper, he's not a helper as in an ordinary sub or a substitute where we just hope and pray that with Jesus ascended into heaven and the spirit coming that our team doesn't lose the lead. Jesus, in other words, does not leave us with second best when he ascends into heaven. And it's because, like the Son, the Spirit is divine. He's every bit as capable as Jesus in our lives and in the church for this work of salvation. He has all the attributes of God, the Father, and the Son. And that means he also helps us in our salvation. Things will stay on track. Things will keep going 
exactly according to the divine game plan as they always have. God will win with his divine helper, the Spirit, active. All of those he has planned for salvation will respond in their hearts in faith to Jesus and be gathered to the Lord and into the loving arms of his people, the church. So that's the first foundational, most important way the Spirit helps the church. And it reminds us of our central task as a church, too. Second, the Spirit helps the church in sanctification, helps us in our sanctification. This is not coffee. I'm awake. This is tea, just in case you wondered. I had to put it in here to keep it warm. Sanctification is a word that to describe us becoming holy or more like Jesus. Sanctification comes after salvation. God saves us, and then our relationship with the Lord uh, continues and it grows. That's true for each one of us. In our church as a whole, we want to see growth, salvation growth, spiritual growth. That, that we're all taking steps forward in the Christian life, in other words. That, and, and think of the church. We, we want to be in a better place now in terms of sanctification than we were 10 years ago or 20 years ago in terms of our dedication to Scripture, our passion for worship, our heart and service for those in need in elders and deacons being equipped and ready and excited to serve, in all of God's people given their time and talent and resources uh, for the church and kingdom. And we, we, we want to have salvation, we want to have growth in embracing and how we include newcomers, uh, progress compared to 10, 20 years ago in saving the lost and in the fruit of the Spirit being seen in each one of us and being very apparent in our conversations, that we're growing in this precious salvation that we have. And the Spirit is especially the one who helps us in sanctification. In verse 16, we read that the world cannot accept the Spirit. It's kind of an interesting thing to say. It's not that the world won't. The world literally can't. And Jesus is reminding us here of how the world is really different apart from us. And the Spirit keeps us distinct and apart purposely. He is the Holy Spirit, and that's what holy means. It's being distinct from the world. And this is something the church continues to need divine help with. The elders and deacons and pastors are called to help us, to lead us to reach the world, to equip us to live in the world and serve in the world, but yet they're called to help us keep separate from the world in a very real sense, in our values, in our attitudes, in the way we build this church. We're different We're holy. We're distinct. And the world needs the church to be distinct 
or else we've got nothing to offer the world, nothing to share. There's a lot in our text here about obeying God, following his commands, like in verse 15, 23, 24, and that's how we become sanctified. Uh, We listen to God's word and his commands, and we follow God's ways. Again, with his help, with the Spirit, we can do that. Third, the Spirit helps us in our time of need. Besides helper, um, if you're into Bible translations, actually, the ESV uses this word helper that I'm using, the English Standard Version. Our NIV, uh, there's different ways to translate paraclete. What we read, obviously, the NIV, that uses counselor. Um, I think the King James used comforter. So those are other ways to talk about the Holy Spirit. Counselor, comforter. And, And that comes up in our text. Jesus says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. Why does he use that word orphan? I I think it's because an orphan is an ultimate example of someone in need. An ultimate example of someone who's in trouble. A child without a parent is in a very bad place, and even more so in ancient times. We want want to think how a child without a parent would end up in ancient times, orphans. And this, this chapter had started out with Jesus saying to his disciples, we didn't read these verses, but earlier, disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. And he adds in verse 27, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. And so Jesus is telling us, his followers, that in our troubles, in our weakness, when we don't feel peace, in the midst of our orphan-like helplessness in life, as we think about Christians in the world, as we think about uh, troubles that surround us, maybe feeling things are out of control in our, in our marriage, in our family, with our health, in, in the midst of that orphan-like helplessness, in the midst of our trouble, the Spirit comes and He helps us. He helps us in your need. Uh, Jesus is telling us, his disciples, even though he's going to heaven, they are not going to be alone because he's going to bring another, the Holy Spirit. And it makes me think of those in need in the church, in our church. The Spirit helps us reach them, one another, because we're all in need at one time or the other, and helps us minister to those in need in our church and counsel them, elders and deacons, when you reach out to someone that's struggling or in need, how do you help them? It's hard. What do you do? What are the words to say for each one of us? Everybody interacting, growing together in the church along the lines of Titus 2, like we saw a number of weeks ago. What do you do? As we mentor younger Christians, as we try to raise our kids in the faith, as we reach out someone to someone maybe you don't know in the church who's maybe new, I'm so scared, I don't know what to say. It's easier and more comfortable to talk with people I already know. I don't like to feel uncomfortable. How are we built up in community 
reaching out to one another, helping each other, growing deeper connections, talking about stuff of real substance rather than just the weather? How do we not let someone continue to slide who maybe you know, member of this church, and, and, and talk to them about getting back on track spiritually? How do we do it, church? These are challenges. Well, we're not left alone in our, our own needs or in all these challenging situations. The Spirit helps. We have a wise, divine counselor to give us wisdom. We have a gentle, divine comforter to encourage and support others. Fourth, the Spirit helps us in reaching the truth in addition to helping us in our time of need. In in one way or the other, everybody's looking for truth. Everybody's looking for the best way to live their lives. They might not call it looking for truth, but that's what it is. They want to have the best life they can have. Well, the Spirit, says verse 17, is the Spirit of truth. And the Spirit, especially in the Gospel of John, is always aligned with, not the Spirit, the truth. It's always aligned with the Word of God, the Scriptures, and with the Word become flesh, Jesus. Jesus is the truth. This is the truth. So it's interesting and when we talk about the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, we sometimes think of the Spirit as something wishy-washy, not concrete, having to do mainly with our emotions or feelings, being filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues. It's almost like a, a chaos. But in fact, He is the Spirit of truth and confirms in us and He brings us to the teachings of Jesus and the Word of God. See, You want to be a spirit-filled person? You want the spirit in your life? Know the truth. Grow in the word. Join a Bible study. Then you'll start to become more spirit-filled. A church that knows the truth by knowing God's word, that is a spirit-filled church. Don't let yourself get fooled if you're here this morning and you're a guest and looking for a church home. Sometimes uh, we think a certain amount of energy or pizzazz. Well, that's a spirit-filled church. It's got to be. Well, don't get me wrong. The spirit brings, I believe, an energy and a vibrancy to the church. But when you're looking, what you're looking for, if you want a spirit-filled church, is a church founded on God's word and empowered by God's word. Not one that excites people with some personality for a pastor or wows them with a slick production for worship. And we want this church to be a church where the truth is heard, taught, lived, shared. And people need that. People need churches like that. You need that. You and your families need that. My kids, my wife needs that. I need that. And at Faith, we're building a church like that because we have the Spirit's help. Can't do it on our own. But we have the Holy Spirit. He's promised. He's here. It's one more thought, a fifth. Um, Finally, the Holy Spirit helps us to help others. Because, of course, God's help for us is always to help other people. Jesus came to give us the ultimate help we need, salvation from our sins. 
One day he's coming back. And until then, we read in verse 31, the world must learn that I love the Father. The world must know. Churches don't keep all this inside. The Spirit gives us a passion and excitement about God's love so that we want to dedicate our entire life to sharing God's love with others. It's the ultimate way we can help them. And so, man, what an encouragement, it seems to me, for our church as we installed new elders and deacons and as we move forward together. (coughs) What an encouragement. The Spirit helps our church in salvation, in sanctification, in times of need. He helps us find the truth and bring it to others, and he helps us help others. This is a great encouragement uh, to us as pastors, uh, to Jonathan as our youth director, and it should be to our elders and deacons too, and to all of us here it should be. It's not just people building the church, but God himself. May each one of us take our part in the work of building the church, and at the same time, as we do it, entrust the work we do to the Holy Spirit knowing that God will complete his building project to the very end.